Hello, and welcome to the weekly sermon podcast of Harvest Church here in Elk Grove. We're excited to have you join us as we share God's message of hope and love. Each week, we bring you a new message from our pastors and guest speakers designed to inspire, uplift your spirits, and challenge you. Whether you're listening on your commute, at home, or on a walk, we hope these messages will bring you closer to God and help you on your faith journey. So without further ado, let's listen in. A week ago today, exactly a week ago, uh, we went to service, had two awesome services, and then we walked. We went to Madrid, Spain. Madrid, Spain, I believe, if I'm correct, is the second largest city in all of Europe. It is a humongous city. It's uh, probably somewhere between 3.2 to 3.5 million people. It is a big city. It has a big city feel. It has history. It has culture. And as we entered into the city square, all of a sudden we saw thousands of people around and a protest, a Palestinian protest happening in the middle of the square. We could not believe it. Now at this time, we just come out of service and we're not having internet and we're not watching television. So I'm unaware of what's going on. I only know that something has happened in Israel. I'm not totally clear of what it is. And then I see this humongous, uh, just this, you know, the, the people in the square gathered this protest, and I said, oh my goodness. If you go to my Facebook page, you can see it. I recorded uh, it for about a minute or two, and I put it up. You can go ahead and start putting up some of the pictures. I want to talk to you this morning about road signs. I want to give you road signs. I want to talk to you because I really want to make this clear. We are living in the last days. Uh, Amen. If you see these pictures, this is actually a picture with myself with the Israeli Defense Force. Uh, We got special clearance to go with them and be on one of the borders of one of the nations that they uh, observe and watch 24-7 to protect from any attacks and assaults. That's the United Nations in the same area that we were in. Um, We've had some uh, opportunities. Here is at the Knesset. You can go ahead and roll the next picture. Praise God. This is actually inside the Knesset itself. Uh, we were in a briefing where they gave us, I, I, if I'm just being honest with you, there was a point where they told us stuff in this briefing in the Knesset, and I thought to myself, I said, I don't know if I have clearance to be in a room like this to hear the things they're telling us. I mean, they did clear us to go in the room, but I thought to myself, I said, they only tell this type of stuff to actual, like, government people. I don't know how in the world I ended up in this room. And eschatology is the study of end times, and I am no expert in end time matters, but I do have a unique perspective because of some of the experiences that God has blessed my wife and I to have. And uh, as we were briefed in the Knesset, we've had national and international affairs of Israel that's been shared with us. And for those who don't know, the Knesset is the parliament of Israel. It's the supreme authority to pass legislation on behalf of Israel. And Israel is the only democratic government in the entire Middle East. There is no other democratic government in the Middle East, all the surrounding nations, they do not have a democratic 
uh, governmental structure. But I want to give you some history of what the Bible has spoken about Israel, what the Bible has spoken about Jerusalem, and let you know that what happened a week ago is not new. It's something that's been happening for thousands of years and for leading up to the last hundred years. And as I was reading and studying over these last three, four days, I feel like God began to speak to me and show me a couple of things. And part of the reason that I want to preach this message to Today is number one, I want to hopefully help to remove an element of fear that you may be dealing with right now. Because if, if, if I'm being honest with you, I do not believe what happened a week ago is coming to a close anytime soon. It is actually the beginning of something more that is yet to come. But we, here's where the comfort comes in. God was totally aware of it because he spoke about several of these things thousands of years ago, and he's been preparing what is about to happen because we are living in the last days, and a lot of what's happening is not isolated. This is just not a Palestinian-Israeli thing. This is tied into the second coming of Christ, and we are living in the last days. And these are signs, biblically, that Jesus Christ is coming back again. Amen? Amen. And I want to tell you, a lot of what you may believe and a lot of what you may think and feel about this is based upon what you've seen in the television. And I want to encourage you to not take your conviction and your truth from what particular political persuasion or television channel or news station you watch, but go to the Word of God and begin studying and reading what the Scripture says about these matters. Amen? So Genesis uh, chapter 12 and verse 1, I'm not going to reread the whole thing, but God comes to Abraham. Abraham is the father of the nation of Israel. He is the father of faith. Abraham means the father of nations. He is the father of the nation of Israel. He is the first Hebrew. He's the one that God spoke to and said, leave uh, your land of Ur and go into Canaan and I will make you a great nation. And he told him that he would make his descendants, he would give them the land that he was sending Abraham into. That happened thousands and thousands of years ago. That did not happen because the UN decreed it. It happened before there was an existence of the nations that the UN is comprised of. God told Abraham, I will make your descendants into a great nation, and I will give them the land of Canaan. First Chronicles 11, 7 says this. It says, now this is David. You have three primary figures that make up the nation of Israel from a leadership standpoint. You have Abraham, who is the first Hebrew, who the nation was founded out of him. You have Moses, who is the lawgiver that took four million people out of Egypt 
Egyptian bondage and slavery, and he was the one, the catalyst to prepare them to go into the promised land under Joshua's leadership. And then you have King David who establishes the city of Jerusalem as the spiritual and political headquarter for the entire nation of Israel. These things happened three, four, five thousand years ago. So what we are seeing today is not something that began in 1948. What we're seeing today is what God decreed decreed 3,500, 4,000, 5,000, almost 6,000 years ago. Are you with me? We are not living in a, in a vacuum. We are living in a part of history where everything's finally coming together and beginning to turn over in such a way that we will see a lot of what the Bible has been talking about, the different pieces. We are living in a time where these pieces are going to begin coming together and starting to make sense. First Chronicles 11 and verse 7 says this, and David made the fortress his home, and this is why it's called the city of David. He extended the city from the supporting terraces to the surrounding area while Joab rebuilt the rest of Jerusalem. Everyone say Jerusalem. And David became more and more powerful because the Lord of heaven's armies was with him. David was the second king of Israel. He was, Saul was the first under Samuel, then David was anointed to be the second king, and David left Haran, uh, not uh, Hebron, I'm sorry, which was the previous capital, and then he made Jerusalem the spiritual capital and the political capital of the nation of Israel. Later on, David's son Solomon would build the temple. Uh, all of the temples in the earth were built towards as a place of worship and sacrifice to the different gods of the people groups that whatever nation you came from and for the Israelis or for the Israelites the temple in Jerusalem was the temple that was set apart of worship for their God amen but it also was a political center where David made decrees and commands politically so that the nation would be ran under the authority and under the leadership of Jerusalem now, here in the Bible, the name Canaan and Israel refer to the exact same piece of landmass. God told Abraham, I'm sending you into Canaan. And when Joshua finally conquered the promised land, it was no longer called Canaan. Now it was called Israel after the grandson of Abraham. Abraham had a grandson named Jacob, which means swindler or surplanter. Jacob has this encounter with God, and God says, no longer will I call you Jacob, but now your name will be Israel because you have wrestled with God and prevailed. This is when God touched the hip of Jacob and he wrestled with the angel of the Lord and the angel of the Lord said, let me go. And Jacob, the grandson of Abraham said, I will not let you go until you bless me. I will not let you go until you give me a blessing. Amen. And the lesson for us is we need to wrestle with God until we see the promises of God fulfilled in our lives. I don't know if you have a backslidden child or grandbaby, but you need to wrestle with God until God says, I'm going to bring them into the kingdom and save their souls. We need the same tenacity that Jacob had. 
And this tenacity provoked God to say, no longer will you be referred to as a swindler or someone who is dealing with things on the side, but you will be called Israel, one who wrestles with God and prevail. So the nation has now been called Israel for the entire people group as they move into the land of Canaan, which now has taken on the identity of the people who are now the proponents and the primary occupants of the land. This is in your Bible too. Yes, it is. I'm not making this up. I didn't pull this off the internet. <laughs> this is not on my Facebook feed this morning. Hallelujah. So let's move into the third part of this message. God commanded Israel, the descendants of Abraham, to take the land of Canaan during the time of Moses. Moses is the writer believed historically by scholars of the first five books of the Bible. He wrote Genesis through Deuteronomy. We are here in the book of Deuteronomy. And let me tell you this. Oof, look at your neighbor and say, it's about to get hot in here. But I need you to keep on all of your clothes, amen. Praise God. I ain't taking nothing off. For those who don't know that reference, you don't need to know. Just don't, don't worry about it. Ask your grandbaby later. Praise God. Hallelujah. God begins to make statements here in the book of Deuteronomy that is still relevant here in 2023. I read this a couple of days ago, and I'm going through, and I'm passing through, and I felt like God says, no, go back and read what I was saying. I said, Lord, this doesn't apply to 2023. He says, go back and do a history search and see how much of this applies to what's happening right now in the land of Israel. Whew. Deuteronomy 7, 1 through 9 says this, when the Lord, the God brings you, this is God speaking to the nation of Israel and to the people through Moses. He says, when the Lord, your God brings you into land, you are about to enter and occupy. He will clear away many nations ahead of you. The Hittites, the Gergesites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. These seven nations are greater and more numerous than you. When the Lord uh, your God hands these nations over to you and you conquer them, you must completely destroy them, making no treaties with them and show them no mercy. Whew. That's in my Bible. Oh, God, have mercy. He said, you must not intermarry with them. Do not let your daughters and sons marry their sons and daughters, for they will lead your children away from me to worship other gods. Now, let me pause right here. During the times of Jim Crow, a lot of the people who were making up the racist laws and legislations in the South tried to misinterpret this scripture and say that there shouldn't be interracial marriages. He was not talking about a racial thing. He was talking about a cultural, religious, and worship thing. Because at this particular time, amen, 
These people groups did not worship the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They worshiped the gods of Moloch and Ashtoreth and Baal and all of these false gods who were in opposition to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So he said, do not marry these people because they're going to take your worship away from me and they will get your sons and daughters to worship false gods and idols and I will become angry with them because this was the very reason why these people were being expelled from the land because they worshiped other gods. And God says, don't make the same mistake that they made that got them put out of the land. That's the real context of it, amen? We got all these mixed race marriages up here in Harvest Church, praise God. Your baby's looking like that. We don't even know what your baby is, praise the Lord. My wife's Puerto Rican. I said, Lord, if we ever have kids, please let them look like her. Amen. Don't have that good. You said good, that good hair she has. Praise God. I worked hard to marry somebody with good hair. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> hey. Baby, that was on purpose. It wasn't an accident. Hallelujah. This looks good now, but this is the barber did surgery on this. Right? Amen. That's for free. Praise the Lord. Verse 5. He says, this is what you must do. You must break down their pagan altars and scatter their sacred pillars. Cut down their Azra poles and burn their idols. For you are a holy people. You belong to the Lord your God. Of all the people of earth, the Lord your God has chosen you to be his special treasure. The Lord will not set his heart on you and choose you because you are more numerous than the other nations. For they... Uh, for you were the smallest of all nations. Rather, it was simply that the Lord loves you and he keep and was keeping the oath he had sworn to your ancestors. This is why the Lord rescued you with such a strong hand from slavery and from the oppressive hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. He said, understand. Everyone say, understand. Therefore, that the Lord your God is indeed God he is the faithful God who keeps his covenant for a thousand generations, lavishing his unfailing love on those who love him and obey his commandments. So here we see that a covenant is an agreement between two parties, and God specifically is the initiator of the covenant here with the nation of Israel. We see that God gives his unfailing love to those who obey him, and he said that this covenant that I have made with you, Israel, is for for a thousand generations. Mathematically, we have not surpassed a thousand generations in the history of Israel from the time that this was written to the time that we currently exist. So God has not changed his mind about his intention of what he wants to do in the nation and amongst the people group because Israel was not established because they were the biggest, the strongest, the best. They were established because they were supposed to bring worship and honor and glory to God and exalt his name in the nation and be a light to the rest of the world. There is no Christianity if there is not worship of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Amen? 
Jesus comes directly from the lineage of David, from Moses, from Abraham. Jesus is in the direct lineage, and he opened up the door for us non-Jews, us Gentiles, to have a relationship with God the Father, not because we deserve it, but because he died on the cross and cleansed us and washed us from all unrighteousness, and because his nation was supposed to be a light for the rest of the world. Now, let me tell you our role as a church. Here's the reality. I believe it's in the book of Romans. Israel got off track. It's not the first time. Probably won't be the last. They have a tendency to get... Israel's like a kid with ADD. They're just all over the place, just... Right? But what happened is he raised up the Gentiles to be beneficiaries of the blessings of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to provoke Israel to see us as the church to say these people are not even the people of covenant and promise, but they are still being blessed by the creator of the universe. And we actually are supposed to provoke the Jews to jealousy so that they can come back to their God and be the beneficiaries of the covenant and the blessing that God has given to his promised people. Amen? They're supposed to see us who have been grafted in. We are the wild olive branch that has been grafted in and they are the natural olive branch and they're supposed to see us and be like, what are all those Gentiles doing getting blessed by our God? Let us go and see what's going on. And when they see us, then they experience the redemption of the Messiah, Jesus Christ. Are you with me? Praise God. Mm. Hallelujah, Lord. I want to read to you probably the most controversial part of this whole scripture from the book of Deuteronomy. And I don't know if I'm going to be able to make it all the way through, but in Deuteronomy 7 and verse 2, and this is the part that messed me up. Look at your neighbor and say, this messed the pastor up. I was up at 1 o'clock in the morning looking through this. I didn't go back to sleep to like 4.50-something. So if you see me a little fuzzy and dazed, it's because I'm on like minimal sleep. And I haven't had any of that good, that Spanish cafecito, that, 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 that octane... 90 proof caffeine that they serve over there. <laughs> Praise God. Amen. God said this probably 5,000 years ago. And the Lord says, go and do the research, son. I'm like, Lord, this is, he said, do the research. In verse two, he said, make no treaties with the nations in the land. God told Israel, make no treaties with the nation and the land. I made a statement earlier where I said What's, what has begun is only the beginning and it's going to lead to something greater. Because from 1948 till now, the UN 
and the nations of the world have been trying to make treaties between these Israelis and the Palestinians who both are in the land. And God told them thousands of years ago, make no treaty with those who are in the land. All right. UN Resolution 181 failed over and over again since its foundation in 1948 and the two-state governing system between the Jews and the Palestinians have not worked from its beginning even to this time. They have been trying to make this work and they have had several conflicts from that time until now. I'm going to read to you just a few things really quick, and then I'm going to close this out. In May 1948, Israel declared its independence right after World War II. The next day, the coalition of Arab states aligned with the Palestinian factions attacked Israel forces in what became known as the first Arab-Israeli war. In the end, Israel gained control of even more portion of territory, not including the areas of the West Bank and the Gaza Strip, an estimated 700,000 Palestinians fled and were driven from the land of Palestine, and they called it Nakba, which in Arabic means the catastrophe. The second thing that happened, in 1967, they had the six-day war where Israel took over the Gaza Strip. In 1973, they had the Yom Kippur uh, War where the coalition of Arab nations launched a surprise attack on Israel during Yom Kippur, a holy day, and Israel launched a counter-offensive and pushback against the Arab coalition. In 1978, they tried again, and they, in September, they tried to do the Camp David Accords with Jimmy Carter being the president, trying to lay the foundation of the two-state government where the Israelis would operate one side, the Palestinians would self-govern in Gaza, making a potential peace deal, but it still never fully worked out. December 1987, the first... In Intifada happened where the Palestinians had an uprising and a time of unrest went on for years and many were killed and injured on both sides. In 1993, they did the Oslo Accords and they tried to do the two-state model again of the self-governing between Palestinian Authority and the Israelis. And this is in Gaza, which we're all seeing on television. In 2000, they had the second... Uh, in the father and the Palestinians uprising broke out for a second time uh, when Ariel Sharon went to go visit a holy site between the Jews, the Christians, and the Muslims. What began at that point lasted for five years, and this was the height of where we know the term suicide bomber. This was the height of the suicide bombings that happened during this time. In 2005, everyone say 2005. In 2005, Israel withdrew from uh, this, this location, and the Palestinian militant group Hamas was legally elected as the political party to represent Palestine in this location. 
For those who don't know, Hamas may be operating as a terror group, but they are actually an elected political group representing Palestine in Gaza. Though America may not acknowledge them as a political group, other areas in Europe and the Middle East, they are dealing with Hamas the same way that other nations would deal with Democrats and Republicans representing the United States of America. How many of you knew that? Three or four or five people. This is not just a terrorist group. This is a political party representing the people in Gaza. Two thousand six, they were elected. Two thousand seven, Hamas took over the Gaza Strip, and Israel imposed a sixteen-year blockade. Two thousand eight, Hamas began launching rockets into Israel from Gaza, which prompted the retaliatory strikes. Fifty years later, everyone say fifty years later. From the Yom Kippur War in nineteen seventy-three, last week. 50 years and one week we had the incident that happened last week. On October 8th, 2023, Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu formally declared war on Hamas. The reason why I said that this is not going to end anytime soon is because Hamas is a political party representing a people group in the occupied territory. And what they did is they triggered a war. We are going to pray for Israel. We're going to pray for the nations. We're going to pray for the people. Because we have to make sure that what we're doing is that we have the heart and the mind of God as we view this. I don't want you to see this through the lens of what they're showing you on television. The one message that they kept telling us over and over in the Knesset and when we went to Israel, they said, what you are seeing on television is not accurate. I said, oh my God. How does this tie into us? I want to go to Matthew chapter 1 and verse 8, and I'm going to close this out. Actually, Matthew 24 and verse, verse 6 or 5. It says, and many will come in my name claiming I'm the Messiah, and they will deceive many. Verse 6, and you will hear of wars and threats or rumors of wars, but don't panic. Jesus said, yes, these things must take place, but the end won't follow immediately. Nation will go to war against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in many parts of the world, but all this is only the first of birth pains with more to come. Amen? We need to buckle down because what is happening is the beginning of birth pains. Jesus Christ is coming back soon, but these things he said were going to happen before he returned. It's not something to fear, but it is a soberness. And one of the things that we have to do is we have to make sure, number one, if you are not saved, that you come into a relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. 
Number two, we need to make sure that we are seeing this through the perspective of the eyes of God in the Bible, not through our flesh and our carnality. And number three, we need to be prayerful. We need to be prayerful. I'm not advocating to be against anybody. One of the things for me that was so hard with all of this is New Orleans is a, the West Bank, not West Bank in Israel, the West Bank of New Orleans where my wife and I lived, we have a very heavy Palestinian population and I have a lot of Palestinian friends. And I'm like, God, how do I navigate this? Because these are people that I love. They're not just somebody I'm seeing on television. I have relationships with these people. Amen? But I also understand biblically and historically what's going on in the earth. So I need your wisdom to navigate so that I can love the Palestinian people because I believe there will be opportunities for us to lead them to Christ, that we can love the Jewish people and provoke them like the Bible says in the book of Romans to come to Christ because we are the church, amen? And then the same time stand in the place where we glorify God with our attitude, our spirits, and how we move forward as a body of believers, Amen? Praise God. If you don't mind standing with me, Pastor Nelson, come up. We're going to pray for what's happening in the world right now. We're going to pray a couple of things. Number one, we're going to pray God's protection over Israel. We're going to pray God's protection over Israel. We're going to pray that the nations of the world will align with the will of God. Third, we're going to pray that the church will stand in its proper place. Amen. This is not a time to be political. This is a time to be spiritual. And then number four, we're going to pray that we will be prepared for the second coming of Christ. Because Jesus is coming back soon. I believe that after this, what's happening in the Middle East takes place. I mean, it's going to keep going, but... When it goes from this phase into the next phase that it's going to enter into... I believe there are a lot of pieces of the puzzle of question marks of things you've either read in the Bible or you've wondered, a lot of those pieces are going to be answered when a lot of these things clear up. Amen. Praise God. Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast. We pray that today's message has touched your heart and encouraged your spirit. We believe that the word of God has the power to transform our lives and inspire us to be better versions of ourselves. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please share it with your friends and family. And don't forget to subscribe to our channel for more inspirational messages. Until next time, may the good Lord bless you. And we look forward to seeing you at one of our weekend services and sharing with you once again next week.